0: Welcome to Shoalhaven Youth Local,
1: a show where we focus on everything local in the Shoalhaven. From current events and community groups,
2: to local history and the best places to be, and even our favourite local personalities,
1: we've got you covered.
2: So if you ever wanted to know
1: where to go or where to volunteer even, from a youth perspective, then listen in.
2: You might be surprised by what's just outside your front door.
1: Showhaven Youth Local would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of and Country, the land on which this podcast is recorded, and pay our respects to Elders past and present. Welcome to your daily dose of local and national happenings.
2: And what's making waves out there with today's
3: Hot Topic.
2: Seen any whales yet?
0: No, I have not been there. It costs too much to get a boat to Wales, and no, uh... as
2: in the animal (laughs) whales. (laughs) Oh, 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 sorry. Has anyone been whale watching yet?
1: No, no. I saw dolphins a couple days ago, but they're not whales.
0: I was sick, so I wasn't able to go to the beach and have fun and jump in there and all that. Hmm.
1: Who knows the best spots for watching whales? The
2: lighthouse. Which I have seen a few, but none that have breached the beach. Mm. And uh, like a few, like,
0: you know, those um, mountain walks that you can go on, like walking through like mountains and forests, like up there, near there. Uh, yeah. Up there, near there. And, anyway, but. Uh, Are you referring to South Pacific? Heathland. Is it? I I could be, but like, um, going through there and like seeing different views, like of the ocean, like in there's, like a chair and all that, and you can see it, it's very beautiful, and you you could see a few whales, you can see a lot of boats as well, and a few fishes and a couple of rocks, and you know what I mean.
1: Couple of rocks. I've mm-hmm. heard that Jarvis Bay is supposed to be pretty good. I haven't seen any whales, but I have seen dolphins, <coughs> and that was actually really cool because that's probably like the closest that I've ever seen dolphins, like. And usually actually I think that might have been the, the, the first time that I've seen dolphins like in real life because like we have gone on like a whale watching thing and people kept saying that they saw dolphins but every time that they like pointed over to them they were already gone. So, yeah, I actually thought that was like really cool and they were pretty up close and they were actually like riding in the waves. It was really cool. Whereabouts? Um, I've got no idea. We were on an excursion. So no whales?
2: I've seen just them off in the distance at the um, I went to the lighthouse yeah. over the weekend and saw them. Yeah. Although I've been mainly stuck at home because it's cold and flu season. Yeah. And what is up with this weather? Yeah. Have you all been sick? Yeah. Yeah. A
1: little bit. I, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. I had a cold. Please stop
1: saying yeah. Yeah.
2: My name is Victoria, and this is this week's Last in the Past all Things Local History. this week's Blast from the Past, I'm going to be speaking about Robert Jarrod and James Poole. So Robert Jarrod was an ex-convict. He arrived in Australia in 1811 and he was transported for theft of pork, um, which I think is kind of silly because, I mean, he must have been really hungry and trying to feed his family. Then by 1828, Jared had become a free man. And during the time that he was still a convict, he married Sarah Taylor, which was in 1826. So that was two years before he was pardoned. So two years later, he was freed. He then went on to become a very wealthy man He was an overseer and a landowner and farmer who ended up owning 1,000 acres of land in Milton. That's a lot. And his family ran and took care of the farm for a long time. Over 22 years, starting from 1828 to 1850, He became a father to 10 children. 10! Can you imagine taking care of that many kids? Ooh la la. I seriously can't. And I have to admit, Billy's little sound effect. He said I could do it. That bit? She said I could do it. I can't imagine taking care of that many kids, but for the Jareds, it was just part of daily life and big families were normal in the 1800s and I'm really glad that it's not normal now and that we have much smaller families because I mean it would have been a lot of money trying to take care of all all those kids. So that was pretty much Robert a wealthy landowner, farmer, overseer and ex-convict and father to 10 children. So now we're going on to James Poole. James arrived in Australia in 1852, and he very quickly became a quite prominent member of the community. He was a master mason, carpenter, and builder. And much of his work is still around today. He designed several grand houses, including Applegrath Cottage, Dane's Bank, Early, sorry, and Wappendalee, I think it is. He also did the stonework for the Milton Post Office, the Telegraph Office, and the Congregational Church. And his work with Red Cedar is really well known. It has been written that it's legendary. Um, To get to a reputation must have taken a lot of hard work and dedication. He also had multiple children with his wife Elizabeth. And overall, from the research that I found, his life was quite happy and his reputation was incredible. That's this week's Blast from the Past.
0: Do you scroll through the streaming services not knowing what to watch?
1: Welcome to the nerdy sci-fi movie, guys.
0: Two nerds with a plan.
1: To make sure that you... Watch the greatest films of all time. Basically Marvel or Star Wars. Well, could there be others, potentially? Nope. Okay. okay, let's roll.
0: Hey guys! Today, we, this week, we are reviewing Across the Spider-Verse. Oh no. The peace and quiet has been interrupted. Now. he's back! Yay! Now, um, Harley, what did you think of the characters/slash villains?
1: Um, well, I thought that they were really good, and they were all like well developed, and they all felt like really unique. So, like, um, with Spider-Man India, how he was like really unique because he was all like happy and all the time and stuff like that, and like, I really liked Spider-Punk as well because he was all different to all the others. They all did feel really different as well. And, like, I liked the, like, motivations and, like, stuff like that. So, like, with Miles, how he was, like, he's trying to be a good kid, but he keeps getting pulled away from doing the right thing by his parents so that he can do the right thing by the city. So, like, he's trying to not be late, but at the same time, he's got to, like, save the world (laughs) and... So yeah, I found that really interesting and like with the spot, I liked how at the start he was uh like a really goofy villain and like you tried you couldn't take him seriously, but then I liked his like motivation where he kind of turned from a goofy villain into like a really serious one. I just felt that that was really cool like when he got into the the super collider and went all dark and crazy that was that was really cool and like with the motivation behind like spider-man 2099 how like he lost his family and and then he tried to go to a different universe with his family and then it caused like something bad to happen and that's why he started the whole thing
0: Okay, so I thought that all the characters were pretty boring and uninteresting. The Spot is a very, uh, very goofy villain who I never could take seriously, not even at the end. His design sucks and he had very unfunny jokes. Miles' um, story of, like, you know, trying to be the hero but also trying to be there for his parents is a story we've already seen in previous Spider-Man movies with Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire and I it just feels very boring because we've seen this a million times and Since I wasn't tr- I wasn't interested in Gwen's backstory either. They, like I just didn't feel interested or invested in it and it dragged on the film for so long. The only characters I really did enjoy in the film were uh, Spider-Man India and Spider-Punk. So, yeah, very unrelatable characters except for those two.
1: Well... I'm not going to argue, but I basically think exactly the opposite, but okay. (laughs) Especially about the stuff with Gwen. I actually found that really interesting. So boring, bro. I wanted (sighs) to fall asleep. Oh, man. And, yeah, I also really liked all, like, the references in it and stuff. And, like, I thought that that was really cool as well.
0: Yeah, no. Donald Gloves the Prowler is more interesting than any of them, to be honest.
1: I did th- I did think that that was really cool and I actually like got really excited in the cinema for that but yeah I can't wait to see
0: the- I can't wait to see him in the MCU I really hope
1: that we do. Yeah. And we better. Yeah, so Billy, what did you think of the storyline?
0: Uh like, it was okay. Like, I feel as though there was a lot going on. Like, do you want us to focus on Miles and Gwen or do you want us to focus on Miles and his dad and hit Miles and his mum or do you want us to focus on the whole Spider-Verse thing? Like, it, that was just a bit too much for me. But, however, it was okay with how they handled it by the end and I did really like how they handled it by the end. So, yeah.
2: I'm going to jump in and just say, so would you guys agree or would you guys say that? it was just too much going on and that they should have maybe just focused on one or two, like, one main storyline and certain small, well, like, one or two little story, main storylines. Well, not really. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I
1: I basically, I, again, I basically think the exact opposite of what Billy's saying. I, I felt that it was actually really cool because it's, like, they didn't, like, feel like different stories. They just, like, felt like one big story and it's, like, I liked it. It's like,
0: it was a bit messy. The stuff
1: with his parents and stuff. So it's kind of like we had two different, like half of movies put together. So it's like Miles in his normal life and then like the kind of multiverse part of it all. I mean, I haven't
2: seen it, which is why I'm asking because you're describing it to me in a way and being like, well, one of you is saying that it was easy to follow. And then the other, sorry, Holly's saying, Easy to follow. Billy is saying too much going on.
1: Yeah, well, is that I, what I, you I don't know. Would say, I don't know. actually, like, you, you it was think that there was too way much going too on. much. It was I just way don't too messy. Billy's like, reasoning here, man. Like, just... you got
0: Miles and his parents, like, you want to focus on this whole thing that takes up, like, 20 minutes in the movie, and then you got this whole thing with Miles and Gwen that takes up, like, another 20 minutes, and then you got the whole Spider Verse
2: thing, and it's just, like, you know. Well, I guess that, mm-hmm. I mean, he is a teenager, so no. teenagers have to deal with a lot. Mm. Well, yeah, and
1: especially when you're a spider teenager. Yeah, but, um, I'm gonna,
2: I'm gonna leave it to the boys to continue on.
1: Yeah, but also with the story, this is probably where my only complaint with the movie comes in, and that is the ending. It's like they they left it on a cliffhanger so that like you can get ready for beyond the Spider Verse, but I didn't like the way that they did the cliffhanger. Because now it doesn't feel like it's a good movie on its own. Like you could say that Into the Spider-Verse was a good movie on its own because that kind of wrapped up the story. So you could watch Spider-Verse and then you didn't, like the first one, and then you didn't have to watch anything else and it would still make sense. But then at the end it just kind of feels like two different movies put into one. And this kind of cliffhanger thing, it worked really well with Avengers Infinity War. But I don't think it worked as well with this one because it didn't really have a climax. So it's like with Infinity War, the thing was that everyone got dusted and they all got snapped away and stuff. But, like, that was okay because there was a big climax where all the Avengers fought with Thanos. But there wasn't really a climax in Into the Spider-Verse. I mean, across the Spider-Verse. It just kind of... Felt like it ended. It was it was kind of weird. Like it things like things were just building and building. Like we were gonna get to some big climax, and then it just kind of stopped. Like the credits started rolling, and you were like, "What? I th- we were still going. What's going on?" Well,
0: the, I actually, I, well, I once again disagree. I thought they did this ending very well. Can we they agree very, on anything? It's su- not on this movie at least, Um, but, like, it was very surprising for me and it just left me so excited and surprised and I can't wait to see what they do with the next one. It leaves you feeling like, oh, no, what are they going to do to this? And it's keeping you excited for the next one.
1: Yeah, but with the first Into the Spider-Verse and then the second one, there was, like, a four- or five-year gap between them, so it's, like, it's a long time to be waiting for this cliffhanger thing and it's so yeah i don't know all right so what was your favorite spider variant in the movie
0: uh, my favorite spider variant was probably uh either spider-man india or insomniac <laughs> what,
1: what what is going on
2: sorry about that it's um i think it's walter yeah uh yeah, well, um, the sound machine is sort of playing up so technical problems, folks. Anyway,
0: my favourite Spider variant was probably either Spider-Man India or it was Insomniac Spider-Man. Uh, I really love those two. Um, he showed yeah. up for like
1: five seconds. It
0: was still hype though and I also really I think... liked Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. That was just uh... <laughs> recycled footage. <laughs> and I That was just really... like
1: old footage that they so just played was, over the top. It was cool to see him. Yeah, well, I think for me it's a definite with Spider-Punk. I just thought he was just a really funny character and it was just, it was really nice. I liked liked the accent, it was really funny. And it's like, um, because he's got this British accent, broof. And I liked how he was like through the different parts, he was like collecting different pieces of like technology without telling everyone. And then he eventually just like uses it to make one of those multiverse traveling watches, and then he's like he uses it to escape, and he's like, "I'm quit. I'm I'm about to quit." By the way, I th- I thought that was funny.
0: Yeah, once <laughs> for, for for once in our lives we agree on something. Yes, Spider Punk was hilarious. He had the best strokes in the movie. He had the best jokes in a movie that was extremely unfunny and tried to be funny but ended up failing and I never laughed. But he was the one thing that made me laugh throughout that movie. So, you know, he was pretty cool. But I do think Spider-Man India was just a little bit better. I'm just so
1: confused by these opinions. Man. What? Like it was just... not funny at all. I just... I, it was really funny. It I... wasn't. I just don't understand your reasoning. It feels like you're, like, kind of lying. It just feels like you're doing the opposite because, like... It's basically like whatever you're saying, I just feel like the exact opposite. I'm
2: going to interrupt this argument and ask, what is your rating for this movie?
1: We were just about to get to that. Um, Uh, It's an easy six out of... Overall, I'd say like eight out of ten. I feel like the only thing holding it back was that ending.
0: I would say six out of ten. Um like I said, it was extremely unfunny. I did not like any I didn't really like any of the characters, there was a bit too much in the story, and there was just a lot of cringe moments spread throughout where I wanted to just go home and watch Spider-Man 3 or Amazing Spider-Man 2. So yeah,
1: six out of ten. Alright, and that concludes this review on Spider-Man and Cross the Spider-Verse.
2: what's going on in the community.
1: With a focus on community groups and local initiatives happening around town, we'll keep you up to date with what's going on. Let's
2: find out who's in our local hot seat this week. We're gonna be talking to lovely historian, Kathy Dunn. She is the local historian of Milton and Ulladulla. She runs the Milton Ghost Tours and she started and runs Aladala.info. So welcome, Cathy.
3: Welcome. Hello.
2: It's so lovely to have you here. Um, I loved working with you when we did the Milton Youth Ghost Tours. That was a lot of fun. Um, I loved learning from you. It was an absolutely incredible experience. Um, We have a couple of questions for you today. So for those who don't know you, what are the Ghost Tours? How did they start and how long have they been running for?
3: The Ghost Tours have been running now for nearly 10 years, except during COVID, but the Ghosts had a little break during COVID, or the spirits, we should say. We started the Ghost Tours as an extension to our day walking tours and the Ghost Tours of the night time are hosted by Charlotte Seegum or Charlotte Tideman, who's the mistress of the Star Hotel.
2: Of course, she wouldn't let the raffle boat harbour through her door, would she? Never. From I mean, the lovely people of Ola <laughs> So what got you so interested in history, like both generally and then in, of course, um, local history?
3: When I was at teacher's college, we had to do a subject that was not related to our main teaching area. And because I was also working at the same time, the only subject available was history. Australian history. The first semester was all about Captain Cook and the second semester was about family history and that's actually what got me started and that's quite a long time ago.
2: Yeah, I know that it was family history for me that got me started um, with history and what piqued my interest. Um, How did you become a historian and what made you decide to focus on... Um, ...the history of Milton and Nulladulla.
3: Well, there's different types of historians. History's a little bit like ice cream. There's all sorts of different flavours. And I am a public historian... ...so I'm a professional historian with academic accreditation. (laughs) I've got a Masters in History. But why Milton and Nulladulla? It's because you should always look in your own backyard... And with moving on from family history, with transcribing every headstone in the district, over 30 burial grounds, publishing books, I extended my studies um, to the diploma, um, graduate diploma, and then after, a couple of years later I finished off my master's. So and both of them were, were, were with UNE.
2: So this is sort of a bonus question that we haven't really written down. But what made you decide to sort of dedicate your life to um, recording all this local history? I would really genuinely love to know.
3: It just happened in a way. Um, It's a tricky question actually to ask. It's my nana... um, when she came to visit us once down here, showed me where her grandparents were buried in unmarked graves. So I was determined to confirm she was correct. Nine years later, she was correct. And that got me started in one of my specialty areas, which is the unmarked graves of Sandridge Cemetery of Molly Moak. Not Molly Moak, Molly Moak. Of
2: course, Charlotte always insists that uh, Molly Moak... Goes by its original name, Molly Moak, with an E and only one O in the moak.
3: And from there, I was also doing early colonial history from 1788 to 1820. And I picked up a project with the City of Sydney Council, which is the old Sydney burial ground that's underneath Sydney Town Hall. And from there, it's just expanded right over th- to Norfolk Island. Hobart, Van Diemen's Land and also the very early start of Victoria when the ocean and the Calcutta ships came to Port Phillip and they didn't like it there so they ended up coming down to Hobart. So, yes. So, I sometimes do a lot of travel with my job both locally um, and elsewhere.
2: I've heard a lot about that. It's really amazing about what you do. Um, So, I have to ask this. But what is your favourite part of running the Ghost tours, ...and what's the most interesting thing that you have uncovered? I'm getting tongue twisted today. With
3: with the Ghost Walks, it's all the larrikins that are up at Milton... ...but it's also correcting history too. The Heritage Pie Shop, a lot of people think it was built in 1842. Try 1870. Charlotte, that's where she met her second husband, Adam MacArthur at a land auction, and it's actually Trove with the Australian newspapers that have been digitised. Yes, modern technology and history, they go hand in hand. And the information that we've been able to extract from those newspapers, it took Trove about 12 years to digitise our local newspapers, even though there's not a full collection, and it was part of – Um, myself being a beta tester of the Trove system and the newspapers and they said that they would digitise our local newspapers. I waited a long time. But there's always some interesting information because it's people writing about what happened there and then. It's taking a lot of the Mm -hmm. guesswork out and it's putting meat into the sandwich Yeah. So it's not just, it was a sunny day, like the 1931 bushfire, which nearly destroyed Ulladulla. Yeah.
1: Just hearing,
3: reading the stories that were in the articles that are in the newspaper and comparing them to the oral history. Remember, I said history is like ice cream, different flavours.
2: Yeah. The oral history
3: that's been passed down to the current generation when their ancestors were caught up in that fire, standing in Ulladulla Harbour, watching their town and their homes burn.
2: Yeah. What is the most interesting thing that you've uncovered um, in Ulladulla and Milton?
3: There's lots. I think it's actually an 1871 survey of Ulladulla Harbour. When the lighthouse was built... They built it in the middle of the wharf, so there was a few near misses and the public servant thought, yes, the lighthouse looks good, it's on the elbow of the wharf. So the ships, when they came in at night time, they had no idea which way to go. Were they going to go to starboard or were they going to go to port? So, I can
2: understand the mix-up.
3: Yeah, it's quite. And even the lieutenant who, captain who suggested Ulladulla for a lighthouse, when he made his next trip he nearly shipwrecked his own ship because we had a lighthouse stuck in the middle of a wharf. But Whoops. it eventually moved up to and Head.
2: Well, that was a bit of a, bit of a mistake. But uh, I guess... We can't all be perfect in terms of trying to make the correct decisions. But they did correct it in the end, which is good. Um,
1: I mean, the placement of a lighthouse is a pretty big thing. That is true.
2: It does take a lot of work to build a lighthouse. Um, So final main question. Do you have any advice for the next generation of young historians?
3: Be patient, be consistent and never stop reading be it old newspapers, always have a notebook and pen beside you a- and re- read the history books. They might be different interpretations of the same event or get involved in transcribing records because by transcribing records you can learn so much and, you, and it's technology. When you transcribe records or index records, you're using computers. Years ago it was index cards and pieces of cardboard everywhere. Now you just go click, sort, alphabetical or find this person. It's a lot easier but actually more in depth now because they, there's higher expectations mm-hmm. because we do have technology behind us.
2: I learned so much well, from Well, I you. actually I do have learning. an
3: interesting record at, in our storeroom. It was just left on my front door. I have no idea where it came from or who gave it to me. There was a note inside saying thank you for helping us with our research because people ring me up all the time or email email us and don't laugh, it's the sewage records. It's the septic tank carters records from 18, sorry, 1958.
2: Well, everyone's got to have jobs. Yeah,
3: but... It's giving everyone's individual address and who owned, or sorry, and who lived at exactly what property, it from might, Conjola yeah. right down to Bawley Point. Now, we're talking about a record that needs indexing. That is one of them.
2: So today has been really amazing. Thank you so much, Kathy, for coming in. Um, I absolutely love getting to spend time talking about history with you. Um, so thank you for coming and doing our podcast. And no problems,
3: Victoria. And if your listeners want to know more history or discover some of the history of Milton Ulladulla and the whole region, if you just go if they just go to the website www.ulladulla.info... Um, there is a heritage section there because history just isn't about people; it's also about buildings and events. And should that be on Facebook? There's even a Facebook group called History of Milton Alladale, where everyone's putting up old family photos and all part sorts of, it, of things, so I love, and all sorts of things. So it's actually got quite a big membership, nearly over two thousand. So a lot of people are interested in yeah. history and heritage, and not just of their own backyard where they live today, but also where their families were, be it Adalong or Tumut or Wollongong.
1: So that's it for another week. Thanks for listening to our show.
2: Shoalhaven Youth Local is a show dedicated to sharing local info about the Shoalhaven from a youth perspective.
0: If you want any information from the show, you can find it in our show notes at our podcast, Shoalhaven Youth Local. And don't forget to subscribe and share the show with all your favourite locals.
1: Shoalhaven Youth Local is made possible with funding from the New South Wales Office of Communities and Justice.
2: Catch Catch you next time!